Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitcher alongside James Finch. And today we're going to kick off kind of a mini series trade boards, James trade board, then my trade board. Uh, so James's will be in this episode. My trade board will be published in a uh, couple more days later this week, if you will. And the idea is instead of using some of the insiders, like who's who they have as the top available targets, so they might have more information as to how available the player is. But I think there are times that some of the players they have at the top are just not realistic to get moved, even though their name comes up all the time or aren't players that we would necessarily advocate for trading for. So. We decided to come up with our own board, and the idea of this episode, James will read his top players that he thinks are realistically available. I'm going to react, give a level of where I see fit, stuff like that, then vice versa in the episode that will come out later this week. So we appreciate you listening, tuning in, following us on Twitter, at AFP Analytics is where we post all of our contract projections, and we'll probably be posting analysis of trades and stuff as they happen as we do get closer to that trade deadline and max term podcast you're listening we appreciate that it's available on pretty much all major platform we appreciate you uh subscribing to that we're giving you a listen when we do publish new episodes stuff like that and i'll i sometimes throw the caveat in i've been a little bit lacking it with it a little bit but with this episode we are not reporting anything we're not conveying any inside information this is based on our opinions we're sourcing from the kind of publicly available inside information some of our own knowledge some of our own team kind of logic fits but we are not reporting information when james gives his players a val uh, that he has on his trade board he is not saying they're going to be traded he is not saying they're about necessarily available anything like that and I'm not going to be telling you teams that are have made calls, are interested, stuff like that. But we're going to logically break this down in a sense, in a manner that makes a lot of sense and why teams should should or shouldn't be trading for a player. So let's let's get started. Trade with your trade board. Start right at the top, I guess. Who we got? Where should I uh how should I react to the first one? Yeah, so I mean you did kind of lead in with these aren't necessarily the top names on the insider trade boards. My my list, I think, is pretty fitting to that statement, except this first name is Jake Gensel, which is a pretty popular name that's showing up right now. Yeah, so he, he's pending UFA, has a 6 mil AAV right now, which some teams can fit, could be pretty tough for others. Want to toss out we have a projection that was run uh, a few weeks ago six years 7.9 if a team were to acquire and want to extend him and for those that don't know although he is one of the top players he's top six winger can score a lot of goals very very good offensively is usually at best average defensively if not a little below average defensively uh, that's kind of the type of player getting with Gensel if you need a scorer he's your guy to go after so I'll start with I I'm not convinced that he's going to be available because the Pittsburgh Penguins selling one of their top players at the trade deadline with the kind of end of Crosby and Malkin Carlson and Latang's careers approaching 
I'm not fully buying it, but there is enough smoke around it. It makes a lot of logical sense because the Penguins might not make the playoffs. They don't have many future assets. Getzel would definitely be attractive to a lot of teams who are looking for a proven playoff score. Basically, that's it. He's a proven playoff scorer, and you don't and you don't need to talk yourself into much more. He's on a he could be on a fairly reasonable contract for the rest of this season. So, I think a lot of the contenders obviously make sense: Florida, Colorado, Vegas, Detroit, maybe the Kings, depending on how they want to shuffle their deck. The Rangers, if they can find cap space to make it work, and Pittsburgh's willing to trade him to a division rival. That one I'm is a potential. The Rangers should be looking for all the scoring top six wingers they can get. Whether Pittsburgh's willing to do that, you always have to wonder, can like a Tampa Bay Lightning make something like that work as well? So I, I would say they absolutely can. So Sergachev going on LTIR, they've got a lot of space to work with. They can add to the roster quite a bit. It's really going to be where do they want to add to the roster. You lose Sergachev, maybe Tampa wants a defenseman. Instead, they could use more depth up front, top scoring. So that I think that could be a pretty good fit too. Another team that has to figure out what direction they want to head that I think could take a long look at Jake Getzel is Nashville. Nashville Predators. I think there's a couple teams right in here in the Western Conference. I guess I should lump them together. Nashville, Arizona even, depending on what direction they want to go. Seattle Kraken. Those three teams could all really use the top six scoring potential that Jake Getzel provides. The question is... Are you going to push futures in for a potential rental player when you're probably topping out as the A seed in the Western Conference? Nashville has some other decisions to make, UC Saros being the big one. Seattle might be a little bit more willing given they kind of were able to have a, they've had an upset last year. So maybe they can, maybe they think that hey, let's get in again and we can see what happens. But if I was advising one of those kind of teams fighting for the ace spot in the Western Conference, I say let's let's hold on to our futures and, and maybe if we want to go after Getzel and free agency, let's address it then. But I wouldn't make that rental move. So to me, the team that probably should try and get this done, probably going to say this team a lot, Florida Panthers should try and get this done because they need to. This should be their year. They push their chips in. If he goes west, which I could see Pittsburgh trying to do in hopes that they could also make their own little playoff push, Colorado makes the most sense. Unless Landis Cog miraculously is back, Colorado could use that punch that Getzel could provide. Yeah, I think the thing with Pittsburgh, it's going to be hard to trade them and get anything but futures for the most part it's a situation where i could see them pretty much trying to turn that return into someone with term 
um, someone that will be there for multiple years, or maybe it's multiple smaller pieces that could be there for multiple years. I think that's kind of what Pittsburgh would have to try and do because, like you mentioned, really weird to sell when you're still getting strong play from Crosby, Malkin, and you you have aging defensemen who are still playing relatively well, Latang, and even more so a, a Carlson. So I, I think it would make sense to make a move if the idea is all these assets we just got, let's turn them into other players with multiple years of control. Can we skip to number three? We'll skip number two that you had and skip to your number three because I think a lot of the teams that I just discussed also make a lot of sense for this player. We can absolutely do that. So number three that I have here is Jason Zucker, Arizona. So he signed a one-year deal for 5.3. We think he should be able to get a three-year deal this offseason, around five and a half. He's a really solid, I I put middle six winger, but really I I would say top nine. Like He could play on a first line on a team, no problem. Traditionally, He's not the scorer that Gensel is, but he's a much better just all-around player. You're going to get usually a strong defensive impact from Zucker as well. So might kind of be just from a asset cost and what he provides, it might be the smarter trade deadline acquisition. That's kind of why I wanted to go skip skip number two we'll get back to who number two is in a second I think that Zucker would be a fantastic I wouldn't even say consolation prize I think alternative to Getzel he might again he as you laid out provides a little bit different um, ability to me him going home if you will to Vegas makes the most sense to me if they can have the they have the cap space to work to work out. And I also really like the fit of him in Florida. Maybe him and Nick Cousins being on the same team might not be the best idea. But <laughs> him him in Florida, I think he's the type of player the Panthers kind of covet. They have a lot of really good top-line players, especially with the way Sam Reinhardt's playing this year. But getting another kind of versatile as you said top six I'll say middle six at this point in his career getting getting up a little bit more in age but is good two-way he's not he's going to provide good impacts that that helps you with your kind of fill out your depth in your lineup a little bit and to me the Panthers would make a lot of sense for him they have a little bit of space to really add a middle six winger Nick Cousins is kind of in that role right now a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, the thing with Florida, you mentioned it earlier, it seems like the year, because of the different pending UFAs that they have, is just put all the chips in right now, go make the deal, and possibly win your cup because the team's most likely going to look a lot different in the next year or two. I say I like Zucker as a fit for Florida much more so than Getzel, I think. So I, I would say Florida should really be trying to make that move. 
Okay, so number two on my list was Anthony Mantha. So he's with the Capitals right now. He's only got this season left at 5.7. We have a projection right now that is three years, 4.4. I think if he continues to have the season he's having, that projection has a pretty decent chance of getting higher. Just like Zucker, he's a two-way player. You're going to get a fairly strong offensive and defensive impact from him. When I made this list, I had them two and three. Mantha's having a slightly stronger of a season between the two. In my opinion, looking at them, they were very similar players to acquire. If I lose out on a Zucker or a Mantha, whichever my preference, I feel very comfortable going after the one that's left. I feel a little bit better about Zucker because he's been, I think, more consistent throughout his career. Mantha's had higher highs and also probably lower lows. So a lot of those teams that I that I've thrown out in the pet uh, for the for Getzel talked about for Zucker make make sense here. Mantha feels like a player for Tampa Bay. He feels like a Tampa Bay type of player a little bit heavier game scoring punch I'm not going to say he's a full-on buy low like I don't think he's going to necessarily be cheap but he might be he might be a little bit more of a bargain than some of the other than a Getzel for for sure who who fetches more him or Zucker I don't I don't know that that might be a question but I like him for Tampa Bay and I also could see Nashville maybe swing swing for him a little bit with the intention of maybe you can keep him because they have cap space to do so. So Mantha, though, screams a uh, Tampa Bay Lightning player to me. Yeah, I, I think that would be a good fit. I think really anyone needing a solid all-around middle six winger, that's that's a player you acquire. Moving on, and I, I guess – Kind of moving down the lineup at forward. I've got a few names coming up here. I'll start with Justin Danforth for Columbus. He's right now on a contract that pays 975000 He has another year at $1.1 million, So this would not just be a rental addition. Generally, a bottom six forward, I think that's absolutely where you'd want to be playing him. Pretty good offensively and defensively, especially considering he's on a team like Columbus, who honestly is not very good. This seems like the type of player that really any contender, anyone looking to make the playoffs, type of player they would try to acquire. The other thing here, he's not getting mentioned a whole lot by anyone as someone to acquire. I don't know if he's available. That being said, looking at Columbus, he's a lower in the lineup type of player. He's 30 years old. He's not necessarily a long-term piece as a bottom six guy. It's someone I would be picking up the phone, calling, and seeing if there's a conversation to be had. And and that's a, like that's all before. Col- Columbus has recently fired Yarmo Kikalainen as well. Yes. So, like, all that you said about Columbus, 
could go could basically go out the window if they want to really shake things up, which they should. He would be, I mean, that to me is a no-brainer. Like, you don't you don't have to feel attached to him, even yeah. though he's a good, again, as you laid out, a good bottom six player. I'm going to be very short sweet on him. He is a player the Rangers really need. The Rangers need a really, they need to add some bottom six, two-way depth type of player. And he fits that bell, and he would bring good impact. So the Rangers, to me, should be all over him. And I think there's maybe some other consolations, but he he would be a really good idea for the Rangers. Yeah, so for me, the the big thing to highlight with him is his contract. It's pretty easy to fit for most teams looking to acquire someone. Teams that might not be able to go – and grab someone higher in the lineup like a Mantha or a Zucker that we just talked about. If you still want to add some depth, Danforth at 975K overall cap hit this year, that that's doable. Moving on from him, another name that is more bottom six at this point in his career. Someone who I think is very underrated in this aspect that he's very, very good defensively, and I don't know if people realize it i'm jacob silverberg from anaheim used to kind of be that middle six scoring winger and now he's not very much offense and pretty good defense really for the past few years this year it's really good defensively so my thought there Someone who could use more of that third or fourth line kind of shut down forward, maybe missing a piece on their defensive forward line, that would be a good player to target. That being said, what could make it tough is his contract. So like I said, he used to be that scoring winger. He was getting paid like it. So he's got a 5.25 million cap hit. That's going to be tough for a lot of teams at the deadline. That said, if they can swing it, make it work, if they want to possibly keep them long-term. Our projection's about two years, $2.8 million, about right for a bottom six real solid defensive forward. And I, I, I guess I kind of let in a little bit with how the fits could work because of that high cap hit. It might get a little tricky. So I'm... I personally am, have never been a huge fan of his, and maybe that's West Coast bias because he's been out in Anaheim on a not great team. But I, I don't know. He's he's never really moved the needle enough for me, to especially with the contract he's on. So I don't know if I'm I mean maybe he's a consolation prize if you're one of the contenders who missed out on maybe Zucker or I I'd say maybe Zucker where you're looking for maybe someone a little bit more I I don't know defensively so but, I mean at, at this point it, those two players are completely different cuz Silverberg yeah. is not bringing that offensive yeah. impact he he might bring a better defensive game so I, I I don't even yeah I don't know if I could it's, say consolation prize there, so I I have a hard time if I'm a true contender looking to bring him in on that contract, 
one team that maybe would make sense, I don't know cap-wise if it would work out, Edmonton Oilers could make a lot of sense for for him who they could really use maybe someone to round out their bottom six. But cap-wise, I don't know if that works. He feels like, I mean, he feels like an Islanders type player. I don't necessarily think (laughs) the Islanders should be buying, but he feels like an Islanders type player. Bruins maybe could use a little bit more bottom six depth. I I would lean, I don't know. Um, I don't know where I necessarily lean for him. I think one team that could be interesting, I guess two teams that could be interesting that are right on the bubble in the Eastern Conference. Detroit, who kind of already does have a lot of these type of players, but maybe could use another. And maybe the Philadelphia Flyers, the, depending on what they do at the deadline, if they kind of shuffle the deck a little bit, they could maybe use another like veteran two-way type of guy who who isn't pure physical, who brings a slightly different defensive element to their lineup. Um, that That might be an interesting fit depending on how they decide to approach the deadline. Yeah, so I guess I'll say in general with Silverberg, if if there's a team that has space, whether it's just they have a lot of cap space in general or they've got some help from LTIR, like one of my initial thoughts was this could be a Tampa Bay type of move. Salary gets retained. Um Tampa has issues in their bottom six. They're not a deep team at forward. So I could potentially see them being able to do that, especially because I think the acquisition cost would be very low and Tampa doesn't really have any high-end picks or prospects to trade. So that that's kind of initial thought from me. Silverberg made it on this list as someone who could be interesting, but... So if a team's looking at Danforth, it's much easier to acquire him because of his low cap hit. That could kind of be an issue for teams like a Colorado, a New York Rangers even, teams that don't have as much space to work with. So it's very possible Silverberg just doesn't move in general. That said, some of the teams with the space maybe it makes sense in the dying minutes of the deadline. Another player I had here, and I kind of had these three together as that similar, you're acquiring a bottom six, decent defensive guy, Joel Armia from Montreal. I, I want to say I've seen his name like maybe mentioned once or twice. It's not out there a ton. Good defensively. The issue with him is his offensive game has kind of come and gone a lot. And so $3.4 million this year and next year is you're making a long-term commitment acquiring this player. So you'd have to feel really comfortable, I'd say, that he's a third-line guy for you at that cap hit. Montreal could retain, could retain some yeah. and, and, and lower that. So he feels more like... So I like Anthony Mantha as a Tampa Bay Lightning fit. 
Armia feels also like a Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning fit. A little bit, a little bit more of the bargain bin to an extent. I know Mantha's on a higher contract, but might be able to buy a little bit lower asset wise with Mantha. Where Armia, if you can get Montreal to retain some portion of that and get that cap hit into the twos, um, and have him on con- under contract for this year and next without giving up much in way of assets while also strengthening your bottom six. Tampa Bay to me makes that that feels like a move they have made in the past and should consider making yet again. Um, so Tampa Bay feels like the right fit. Edmonton as well. I laid out the argument with Silverberg. Edmonton could make a lot of sense for Armia, but again, it's got to be probably with Montreal retaining some money, which drives up the asset acquisition costs. So I, I don't know where the balance is there. If like a team like the Nashville Predators was looking to maybe take advantage of other teams not having cap space and acquire the player cheaply asset-wise, that this could be a deal that they swing. Silverberg could be a deal they swing as well. I, I'm in full agreement with that, so I got, I'll, I'll move on. Um so uh, next up on the list, I moved to defense. I've got two names. First one I've got listed is Eric Brandstrom for the Senators, a player who kind of seems like I feel like every now and then we see something that it's not quite working with him in Ottawa. That said, his numbers are decent. He's kind of a fringe second, third pair guy. Two million cap hit this year. You'd be acquiring him with RFA rights when it's when the season's over. That feels like one I would really be targeting if Ottawa actually truly makes him available. There's been a lot of talk about Chikrin possibly being available again, and if that's the case, do they maybe want to keep Brandstrom? Possibly. So it, this isn't uh, for sure he's available. My thought is possibly. As a next contract, we were projecting about two by two and a half AV. Pretty comfortable there as a third pair, a good third pair defenseman. So yeah, I, I, I would like this one a lot for teams that might be looking not just for help now, but really team control, being able to have a player in the future as well. So I have two teams that come to mind in the Eastern Conference I'll start with. Carolina Hurricanes could be someone who ends up shuffling the deck by the end of the season, probably more of the offseason on the blue line. But there's nothing saying they can't acquire Brandstrom now if they had to and kind of stash him as an extra depth piece. I think he's my I think they're my second fit in the East. I like the idea of the flyers here a lot in that they they're probably going to send some guys out um sealer walker maybe mark stall who knows so there might be a spot now and it also seems like rasmus wrist line and might be out for a significant chunk of time if not most of the rest of the regular season so they might need a defenseman now and again, all those guys I just rattled off, Sealer, Walker, Stahl, are unrestricted free agents this offseason. So there's going to be a long-term spot. 
And the Flyers are kind of trying to do this retool, rebuild on the fly. So getting that younger asset on the blue line makes a lot of sense. Him and Jamie Drysdale could just be a perfect long-term pair for years to come, potentially. So I like that in the East a lot. And another team that could be kind of doing the retool thing, Calgary Flames in the in the West could make a lot of sense. Minnesota Wild, maybe, depending on what they want to do. So I'm looking, I'm looking at like I'm not looking at full on contenders here. I'm looking at teams that might be making some moves, free up a spot, get a look at a be able to acquire someone to get a look at for a little while. And also need maybe a little bit of a bargain type player. And then one other team in the in the West that I was that I was looking at. Potentially the Chicago Blackhawks, who definitely not contenders. So saying them buying a player at the trade deadline seems a little interesting and odd. But it, Brandstrom's a, a really more of a future asset. So they have the picks, they have the prospects, they have the salary cap space, they have the fit, they have a need for good players. So Chicago, like if if they're smart, maybe they can take advantage, work themselves into something, maybe take a bad contract back from Ottawa as well to help them with some cap space. I I don't know. Maybe Chicago would be It'd be fun for them to acquire like they should be kind of working at for deals like this, finding young, cheap, good. Well, not necessarily cheap, but good, young, potential type players. Yeah, I, I fully agree. It's the big key there is he's a controllable asset. And I mean, Chicago kind of has. They've been operating in a way of we want to build around Bedard. We don't want it to just be a terrible team. Let's have some NHL talent and. Brandstrom would be that and potentially be able to be given a shot at a higher role in the lineup. Maybe they find a good top four defenseman there. And if not, you have a solid bottom pair. Speaking of pretty much bottom pair, Zach Bogosian, real different situation than Brandstrom as far as kind of where he's at in his career. He's got a 850k cap hit right now. Um, Kind of seems like he's floating around each year as one of the cheap defensemen that goes to a contender. At that cap hit, I would think really any contender could be after Bogosian. He's still average defensively, so it's that. Uh, it's He's one of those guys where I would almost be shocked if he didn't find a new team at the by the end of the deadline um and he's on Minnesota right now they're not in the playoff conversation so that's one that to me feels inevitable yeah i think you're right any any uh, deadline t- any contending team at the deadline could could add some depth on their blue line especially considering he's a right shot two teams that i really like actually one that i really really like and another I really, really like New Jersey potentially adding Zach Bogosian. Just just playoff experience, and they they could use kind of a little bit more of a stay-at-home defenseman, if you will, but really, really a veteran. Like, I'm not huge on the you need a veteran to win a cup type thing, but, like, at the same point, they could use someone of his play style. And then the other team that potentially I think should swing a little bit bigger 
is the Dallas Stars, but I think that they could also use that same type of player steady presence. Yeah, so with New Jersey, so Dougie Hamilton's out. I think it's possible he's back eventually, and at least for the playoffs, but there's kind of a missing right shot. Siegenthaler's been hurt. There's a lot of young players on that defense. I, I would like that fit a lot as well. And then Dallas, the thing with Bogosian where I think that could be a really good fit is if their bigger move, per se, is more of a backup goalie. They don't have a ton of space in Dallas to add, so I guess it's really prioritizing the bigger add, and then maybe Bogosian is a is a good kind of second, smaller addition at the deadline. I, I always think of a team like Toronto who seems to always be wanting to add defense and also has no cap space, even a Colorado, teams like that. Um, moving on from the defensemen, I've got four more names, and they're all goalies. And I think I, I like some of the names better than the others, but I will also say that where – the difference could really come into play between the four is their cap hits. Um, so I, I'm just going to give you the four names. and We can kind of decipher where some of them might fit. So there's Alex Nedeljkovic. I think I said that right. Nedeljkovic. Nedeljkovic, whatever. <laughs> Looking at that name, I honestly would have thought I'd be further off than that. Having a pretty solid season with Pittsburgh after, I believe, two not-so-great years with Detroit. One year, so he's an expiring contract. He'll be a UFA this summer. Current cap hits 1.5, so that's pretty doable for a lot of teams. Right now, our projection is 2 by 2 I could see that increasing a little bit if he continues to play strong. He's looked really good with Pittsburgh. Another name, Capo Kakinen for the San Jose Sharks. Another guy on an expiring deal, but his cap hits a bit higher, 2.75 this year. And we have a projection currently 2 by 2.9. That could potentially increase if he continues to play well. Moving on to the last two names. These are guys who would be um, not just rentals because they've got an extra year on their deal. So... Karel Vejmelka from the Coyotes. So he's got a 2.725 cap hit right now, this year and next year. And then there's Jake Allen. He's one we're hearing a lot um, out of Montreal. They're looking to move a goalie. He seems like the most logical one they'd be trying to move. 3.85 cap hit this year and next year. So I kind of went in order by cap hit there lower the cap hit maybe the more teams they're a fit for i don't know if they're all for sure available but i think there's a world where they could all move so i'm gonna start with alan with the team that has smoke colorado would make sense for him but i think my top i, I guess i i like two other fits New Jersey, L.A. Kings would be would be two fits I like for Jake Allen. Both of those teams, I feel like, need someone who's been kind of a 1A slash B type of option. Colorado 
needs more of a 1B type of option. Jake Allen, I, th- I, I just think that the Devils, Kings, and have a little bit more of a need than Colorado. And I'm splitting hairs here, but I like Jake Allen a little bit more for those teams. Vejmelka, I like actually for Colorado. I feel like he and Franco, who was their backup or not before sustaining an injury, are are would be similar type of goal like level of play. So I think Vejmelka works there. And then Kakinen and uh, Nedeljkovic. Dallas needs a goalie for sure, especially down the stretch. One of those two might fit there. And then after that, I think someone probably adds. A goalie it could be a Carolina could be a Tampa Bay Lightning I feel like Johansson showed enough for them to but I I think they spend their money I'll put it this way I think they try and spend their money elsewhere not in goal Edmonton could always use use someone as well potentially to provide a little stability and depth I mean I think any team could could afford to go for a backup goalie like even the flyers if they want to shuffle the deck a little bit add a little depth there might need a goalie the predators if they make a big trade of uc Saros, might need a goalie so i i don't know nadalkovich and kakinen could be moved but them being more of a backup option i think they're more of a true backup option for teams I don't know. I think one of them probably stays put, even though it would make sense for them to be traded. So that's interesting because I would rather acquire those two to play more than the other two. So I, I guess we'll, we'll kind of just leave it at that, I guess. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's my trade list. Obviously, it, it misses some key names. I will say we tried to be a little bit different with our list so we weren't talking about the same players over again. So, yeah, I guess with that, that's a wrap on James's trade board, we'll call it. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, give us a follow at AFP Analytics on Twitter, and we'll uh, talk to you next time.